Let's pray together. God, you are holy. We're in awe of you today. Come to us by the power of your Holy Spirit and open our ears so that we can really hear your voice in your word. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Good morning. So good to see each one of you here. I look forward to this all week, just gathering around God's Word together. Well, this morning, um, I brought a pencil with me. This is one of the good kinds of pencils. Dixon by Ticonderoga. You know what I mean? Not those kind that sharpen crooked or... Anyway, an ordinary pencil. Milton Friedman, who was an economist world-famous economist, famously held up a pencil once and said, not one person in the world could make this pencil. I read that recently, and I thought, is he kidding? I mean, it's not rocket science, right? It's wood, it's graphite or lead and an eraser. What does he mean by that? Not one person in the world could make this pencil. Well, hold on to that question. We're going to come back to it. But first, let's open up our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We've been in Romans for a few weeks, and we're going to continue for a few more weeks. Romans chapter 12. We're really digging in to this chapter in this series, True Greatness. So far, we've made it through verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3. Today, we're going to tackle two verses, 4 and 5. So I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 5 this morning just to give us a little bit of context in, uh, in, how, in where, where 4 and 5 fall in this. So Romans 12, verses 1 through 5. Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Today's passage tells us something that is so hard to get in our lives today. We're in this series, True Greatness, and we're looking for how to live truly 
great lives. We're looking for where to find true greatness. And, and frankly, probably most of us are wise enough to know that in order to have a truly great life, we don't have to be great in terms of how the world defines greatness, you know, famous or, or really wealthy or lots of power on the world stage. Most of us would probably say, I'm okay without any of that. But we, we really do want to live great lives. And wouldn't any of us want someone to say about us, he's really a great person, or she's really a great person? What does it mean to, to find that kind of true greatness? We kind of have a picture in our minds of what, of what that looks like, but what's getting in the way? What's stopping us? Well, there's lots of possibilities, and this message today could be hours long if we went into all those, but I want to look at one, one thing today, one thing that kind of gets in our way, something that you hear over and over and over again when you ask someone, how's life? How, how's it going? What are you up to lately? How are you? You hear this answer over and over again, I'm busy. I'm busy. Anybody here busy? Anybody here, your to-do list from yesterday has overflowed into your gotta-do list for tomorrow? We're busy people. But when we can stop long enough, often we would say we're busy, but we're not fulfilled. We're, we're busy with people, but maybe we're lonely. We're busy with a million details in life, but we're longing to be part of something bigger, something beyond ourselves, something with a greater meaning than just the details of our everyday lives. Part of the reason we're so busy is because there's so many good things to choose from. If you have children in your home, you have no end to the choices of things that you could get them involved in. There's Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. There's music lessons. There's sports. Everything from, from rowing to gymnastics to ice hockey to soccer. You can do it at school. You can play in the, the uh, leagues. And then there's the academic focus. Your kids could be involved in science camp or Chinese lessons. There's, uh, there's all the spiritual growth activities, Sunday school, youth group, Bible quiz team, all kinds of things. Even if you don't have kids in your home, you have a million options for how to spend your time. There's volunteering. There's hobbies. There's taking care of your grandchildren. There's just a million things, and we could make long, long lists. We're busy doing a lot of good things. How do you choose? That's really the hardest part, isn't it? How do you choose from all these good things? Well, it's really the best way to spend your limited time. How do you decide what will make life really great? That's a question I think all of us really wrestle with on a daily basis. Jesus said this, in order to be truly great, in order to have a great life, 
We're to be servants. Slaves, he even says. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. He said that in Matthew 20. Romans 12 paints a really vivid picture of what that great life of Christ alive in us looks like. That's why we're spending so much time on Romans 12 this fall. That's one of those, those pivotal chapters of the Bible that, that we all need to know about. There's so much in there. It paints a really vivid picture of, of what it looks like when Christ is alive in us and we're living that great life that he has laid out for us, that he's created for us. And today's passage, just verses 4 and 5, it lays out for us something really life-changing when we grasp hold of it. Something that we really are longing for in our lives today. The wisdom that we need to prioritize all these demands in life. The wisdom to know how to take our busy lives and sort through the many competing demands, and find true greatness. So let's look. Let's look at Romans 12. If you would open back up to that, Romans 12, 4 through 5, and we're going to pop it up on the screen here. Let's read these two verses aloud together. You ready? For just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. The first thing we notice is that it starts with the word for. For. So it's not the beginning of the thought. It reminds us that it's connected to whatever it is that came before it. It reminds us context is important. The flow of thought so far in this chapter has been this that because of all that Christ has done and who Christ is, that's sort of the first half of Romans, because of all that, we are called to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, to give it our all. That's verse 1. And then when we do that, we find that we're not conformed to the world anymore, not conformed, but transformed, that God slowly works within us to change us from the inside out so we're not squeezed into the mold of the world anymore, but instead changed to be like him. We find a new root. That's verse 2. And then verse 3, that work that he does in us allows us to be humble and willing to get our hands dirty. So it starts with the word for. It's saying in light of all that, in light of where we've just been, then Paul gives us a word picture one that we all understand. Look down at your hands and your feet, and you look down at yourself sitting there. It's this word picture, something we all understand. It's our bodies, ourselves. We, We get that. It's not some strange theological concept. It's our bodies. He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members or many parts, we all have one body. We get that. That's a a nice, easy-to-grasp concept. 
He says, we all have one body with many members or many parts. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So we each have one body, and each of our bodies has many parts. But they all work together to form one unified body. I read recently that there are 70 separate muscles that contribute to you being able to move your hand. 70 separate muscles. And then I read that there's actually no muscles in your fingers. I liked biology class in high school, but I didn't remember anything about that. So I did a little more research, and I found out it's, it's true. There's no muscles in your fingers, except these little tiny muscles that let the, the hairs on your fingers stand up straight sometimes. Isn't that cool? So how do we move our fingers? It's actually a great partnership between the tendons in our fingers and the muscles farther up in our hands and our arms. These muscles work together with these tendons to allow us to do things like write with a pencil or play the piano or things that take little bits of movement. It's an incredible partnership. All these different parts of our body work together. One body with all the different parts working together. Well, it's not just an interesting anatomy lesson. What I know about anatomy is pretty small, but it's really a deep spiritual lesson that Paul is giving us here. It says here that just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same functions, so in Christ, not just in Jesus, but in Christ. He's talking about us. He refers to us as in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Something amazing happens when we ordinary people are joined with Christ. Something amazing happens when we become followers of Jesus We let him transform us from the inside out, that renewed mind that we read about. He does something miraculous with us. Listen to how the New Living Translation puts it. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. When we decide to follow Jesus, we join a body. When we grow closer to Jesus, we grow closer to each other as well. God's people, you know, used to be identified as a nation. As you read through the Bible, all through the Old Testament, God is forming his people as a nation. And it depended on geography, the promised land, and bloodlines, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the mark of circumcision. That's what defined being God's people. But then along comes Jesus. And And he says he's for everyone, Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, people far off. So how do do people define being God's people anymore? That's what Paul is wrestling with in his ministry. 
And he gives a new image here. Instead of being Israel, instead of being geography, it's a body, Christ's body. Christ is the head. And all of us who are followers of Christ form his body. And here, here's the key word in this passage. This is the word that, that I think is probably the, the hardest and the best news for us. That word is this, belongs, belongs. For each of us has one body with many members. These members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. Look around. I mean, really look around. It's okay to move a little in your pews. Look at the people beside you and behind you. You belong to these people, and they belong to you. I don't know if you see that as good news or bad news. Oh, I see some smiles. I mean, you may look around and think, okay, some of these people I would pick and choose to belong to, but couldn't I be a little more choosy sometimes? (laughs) It can be a challenge. But look at that word all in there. Each member belongs to all the others. We don't get to pick and choose. When we become part of the body of Christ, we belong to all the others whether we think that they deserve for us to belong to them or not. Belongs is a strong word, isn't it? It's a strong word. It's not just like, oh, we're having a nice connection. There's some ownership there. It means that other people have a claim on me if I am part of the body of Christ. It means that other people have a claim on you. I have a cat named Pumpkin, beautiful, fluffy, orange cat. Pumpkin is super friendly, and he likes to go visit. If he decided to go to my neighbor's house and and take up residence there, I would have every right, wouldn't I, to go and get Pumpkin and bring him back to my house because he belongs to me. He's my cat. God is saying, uh, Paul is saying here in, in... this passage, that each member of the body of Christ has a claim on all the others. That that each member of the body belongs to all the others. He puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 6, just as blunt, you are not your own because you were bought with a price, the price that Jesus paid. It's like we're each pieces, puzzle pieces, that, that need to fit together into the whole puzzle in order to make sense. Have you ever put together a whole puzzle, a thousand pieces, and, and then you get right to the end and there's a couple pieces missing? That is really not satisfying, is it? All the pieces need to be there in order for it to work. Each member belongs to all the others. This is really un-American, isn't it? I mean... Our whole culture is built on I am my own person and I get to make my own choices and nobody can tell me how to live. I get to find my own way 
to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I think that's a great way to build a country. But friends, when we give our lives to Christ, we give up those rights. We lay those rights right on the altar and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to belong to the body of Christ, to people that maybe I wouldn't even want to belong to, and they belong to me. We are one body. When you decide to follow Christ, specifically because of that choice, there are now areas of your life where how you live is no longer up to you. That's hard. That's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Belongs. To be a Christian is to align yourself with Christ, to be willing to adopt God's values and priorities as your own. There was uh, once a, a man who was out in a lifeboat at sea with several other people in the boat, and the boat was leaking. And so this man got the idea of boring a hole under his seat in the lifeboat so that the water could flow out of that hole. And the other people in the lifeboat tried to convince him that this was not a good idea. (laughs) Don't put a hole in the bottom of the lifeboat. And he objected and said, don't get excited. It's not your business. I'm just going to bore the hole under my seat, not yours. So don't worry about it. If we think we can live our Christian lives out of contact with other Christians, then we are just as foolish as he is. When we give our lives to Christ, there are certain areas of our lives we don't get to have a say over anymore. We don't get to bore holes wherever we want because we belong to each other. The body is the perfect metaphor for the church. It's better than family or team or anything else we could think of. You know, you can take a break from being on a team. You can live at a distance far away from your family, but you can't take a break from parts of your body. You can't just unscrew your hand and leave it home for the day. It doesn't work that way. Rick Warren puts it this way. He says, we are created for community, fashioned for fellowship, and formed for a family. And none of us can fulfill God's purposes by ourselves. The Bible knows nothing of solitary saints or spiritual hermits isolated from other believers and deprived of fellowship. Warren says, the Bible tells us we are put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, and held together, and we will be caught up together in the air to meet Christ when he comes back again. We were made to work together. We were made to be one body. And this is where we find true greatness, friends, when we adopt Christ's values, Christ's values as our own. Christ's priorities as our own. And we learn from the scriptures what it is that God values. He values one body with many functions, many personalities, many gifts. We're going to look at that more next week. He values each 
puzzle piece fitting into its spot. God values each of us being servants, gifted to serve. You will never find that sweet spot, that sweet spot of using your gifts if you're in isolation from other believers. You will never find that, you'll never find more fulfillment than serving God in connection, in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You will never find the true greatness of servanthood without allowing the body of Christ, the church, your brothers and sisters in Christ to have a claim upon you. Those are hard words, but those are good words. God loves us enough to tell us the truth about how he created us. And you know, this brings us some clarity about the life choices that we have to make. What's worth our time? Well, he tells us right here the things that draw us closer to the body of Christ. What is worth investing in in our lives? Things that help us to serve, to be servants, to belong to each other, to serve together as Christ's body. You know, we all want our kids to be well-adjusted We want them to have a great life, don't we? We want them to be um, fulfilled and and well-balanced. We want to help them choose to do things that draw them closer to the body of Christ, that knit them together, that fit their puzzle piece into the body of Christ and help them find the joy of serving God together. So is Paul telling us this to make our lives harder? Is that the whole point of all this Christianity stuff? To get us to work harder? You hear that a lot. The tempter whispers that in our ears sometimes. Oh, this is just all too hard. Can't supposed to, not supposed to be that hard. I think that actually... It's only possible to do this if we let God renew our minds, if we let God transform us from the inside out. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. None of this is possible on our own strength, so we just let God do it within us. We open our lives and say, God, you could make it possible for me to live this way and find true greatness. Stuart Briscoe says, letting God transform us from the inside out produces people who recognize the uniqueness of each person in the church and people who are committed to being part of the body of Christ. There's not a single person in the world who could make this pencil. What did Milton Friedman mean by that? Well, he went on to say, it's made of wood. The wood... In the pencil he was holding, he figured was from a forest in the state of Washington. He said to get wood, someone had to cut down the tree. To cut it down, they had to have a saw. To have a saw, they had to have steel. And to have steel, they had to have iron ore. He said the the lead or graphite, what we use now, 
It was from a mine in South America. And the rubber eraser comes from a rubber plant in Malaysia. And this brass ring and the yellow paint and the glue that holds it together, thousands of people had to work together just to make a simple pencil. Imagine. Imagine the things that we as the body of Christ are able to do that are way more amazing than a pencil. God has amazing things for his body to do. We're his plan for the salvation of this world. That is way more exciting than a pencil. And he doesn't want any one of you to miss the unparalleled joy of life in the body of Christ. He doesn't want you to miss it. When you discover the sheer delight of, multiples, of, of mutual support and, and of seeing what amazing things we can do when we use our gifts together to serve, you will want to go back to living life unconnected, not belonging to other people. You won't ever want to go back to living for yourself. True greatness happens when we work together, when we serve together. That's what we were created to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for your mercy in not creating us to just be alone in this world. As much as we struggle and try to be independent, there is something in us that wants connection. And you've created a a way for that to happen in the body of Christ. We all have lots of reasons, God, why that's hard for us. But we give you those reasons right now. And we ask, Lord, would you come into each of us and break down those barriers that are separating us? Break down any unwillingness we have to belong to each other. Give us the courage to reach out across the divide, to move more firmly always into the body of Christ. God, transform us from the inside out and make us one body with you as our head. Amen.